welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, SVP of Commerce at Razorfish, and Scott Wingo, founder and executive chairman of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This episode is being recorded live from the NRF Big Show in New York City. We want to thank the folks at NRF for hosting us this year. As usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome listeners. We have a really good treat for you today. This guy has more scoops on e-commerce than anyone else I read. He follows e-commerce, Amazon, and payments for Recode. And... You guys share a first name, so uh, we'll have to see if you're related here in a minute. It's the most powerful uh, name in e-commerce, Scott. <laughs> I will Burke. point out we've had two Scots on the show, so we're just catching up on Jason's here. Um, let's welcome Jason Del Rey, Senior Editor of Commerce at Recode, to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. So about four, I'm about four years into this beat, and um, very happy to be here because I've learned a ton from both of you. So I know how to kiss butt, too, as you yeah, can tell. Yeah. Got to work the sources. Yes. That, that's an important skill because I'm actually auditioning for a new co-host. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Scott's probation period is about up, and we got some hard decisions to make. So I think Jason and Jason's show would be kind of weird. J squared. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't like it. Of course, you don't like it. <laughs> cool. So you've been uh, on the e-commerce beat for four years. Tell us a little bit about your background. Um, where'd you go to school? Did you go to school for journalism, or you just kind of stumbled into it? And what uh, what kind of things did you cover before the wacky world of commerce? Sure. So. Um, I've been in journalism pretty much since I graduated college, which was about 12 or 13 years ago. Um, And I went to school at Georgetown University uh, with a very useful double major of English and Italian. Mm. My accountant father was very, very proud of that decision. Um, So about two years later, I went to journalism school, a one-year program uh, in New York at Columbia. And... um, have basically since I graduated from there have been a business journalist. Um, Inc. Mag- I was at Inc. Magazine writing about all sorts of entrepreneurs and small businesses, advertising age where I wrote about the digital media industry and the very fascinating advertising technology industry. And then um, I actually was enjoying that quite fine, but I had an opportunity to work with Kara Swisher and Peter Kafka at what was then called All Things Digital, now Recode. And uh, there was an opening for a commerce reporter. And I thought covering Amazon as it's turned out to be, would be very challenging, fascinating um, experience. So uh, that's the quick and dirty. I did some sports reporting at some point in there prior to grad school. Um, So if you follow me on Twitter, um, you're a brave person and you will get some sports mixed in there. I was going to say, on Twitter, you still are a sports reporter. Or at least commentator. Yeah, it seems like Giants and Knicks and... That's hockey. About you follow hockey too, right? Uh, dist- a that's bit? a distant fourth after basketball, football, and, uh, and baseball. I am a New York Rangers, Rangers fan. Um, but you will get commerce. You will get commerce too if you follow me. So uh, Del Rey on Twitter. I'm already starting the plugging. We haven't even gotten started. Exactly. And that's D-E-L-R-E-Y. Not R-E-Y. Yeah, not yeah. R-E-Y. But if you're in the cats, R-A-Y is also a good follow. Yes. Yes. <laughs> We've already gone off the rails. Yeah, I like you guys. Cool. So you're here at NRF. You've had a, had a chance to look around here, or um, what are the kind of things? So when a reporter comes to a show like this, what are what are you sniffing out? Um, I'm really, you know, one thing I'm looking usually looking for is like what the like energy and vibe is. Frankly, like this is you know probably one of the biggest, if not biggest, group of. Um, retailers in one space in the world and so you know sentiment is always something i'm i'm trying to get at um it's obviously not a science but you can you know spend enough time you could tell um i've only been here a few hours so probably a bit early um frankly i'm always interested in whether people have their heads in the sand or like talking openly about the huge challenges facing the sector doesn't mean they need to mention amazon every other sentence but like like awareness is usually a good like a starting point um so that's something i'm looking for as well and then of course you know we're a technology publication and so if there are technologies that are really you know you know going past pilots um with big organizations that's something i'm um trying to get at as well so um 
we'll see over the next 36 hours. Hopefully I'll, I'll get answers to a bunch of that. Cool. One, one thing you kind of wrote before you, you know, in the last week, I believe was, uh, and I may get this wrong, but it was Macy's, you know, Amazon didn't kill Macy's, Macy's killed Macy's. Tell us did, riff on I that did. a little bit, you know, so, so one thing that's always weird about this show, it's kind of here early January and that's when all these stores kind of become an annual drumbeat in the last three years. They announce all their store closures. So you have like, you know, January 10th, you know, I'm closing a hundred stores, limited's out of business, you know, et cetera. And then here we are kind of in an industry gathering. Um, so, so we'd love to hear your thoughts on that whole Macy's piece that, that was interesting. Sure. So, I mean, funny thing is, um, I almost didn't write it because I thought a lot of what I was saying was obvious, but I've also found in over a decade that like some of the most obvious findings can be the, the best received. And, um, I think I may have said this on Twitter. I got, I've gotten the most feedback on this piece, which was, which was, you know, based on four years of reporting knowledge, but was really commentary. Um, Feedback being death threats or? No. So, I mean, maybe people are saving the hate mail and sending it <laughs> via, you know, snail mail and I haven't gotten it yet, but most of it has been right on. I don't know why more people aren't saying this. I've gotten emails from um, former CEOs of uh, different parts of the Macy's organization, not, not the company on the whole. Um, current employees. Are you sure? Because I think Terry Lundgren knows how to block his caller ID. <laughs> um, you know, current employees just saying, listen, we've had, we've, you know, it's kind of simplistic stuff, but we've had merch, we've had merchandising problems, differentiation problems. Um, you know, we're an organization, this is coming from current employees, we're an organization that's a top-down organization, and, you know, we have a lot of great ideas at the lower levels in technology, and we're, we just feel like we're in a really tough spot. And so, um, I just think, you know, people have seen the e-commerce and Amazon wave coming for a long, long time, or should have, and, um, you know, I just, I think the word I may have used somewhere in it is like, I, I've sensed compl- complacency and they're not alone, but they're a big brand that a lot of people love and it would be really sad to see them, you know, go away. And I know that sounds crazy right now with hundreds of stores still, but I mean, this stuff is, this stuff's like changing really rapidly right now. And so, um, I worry about the size of their stores. I worry about differentiation and merchandising and, um, and we'll see. I, th- I think the American public should be rooting for retailers to figure a lot of this stuff out. Um, um, you know, we all like in the e-commerce industry to talk a bunch about, you know, you know how innovative, you know, digital first companies are. But I, I think economy-wise, we 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 need success from some of the traditional guys. So hopefully, they figure it out. Yeah, and it's not crazy to talk about. I mean, shortly before the three of us were born. Woolworths was the largest company in the United States. Right. And for most of our lifetime, Sears was the largest company in the U.S. And so, I mean, it, there's, there's a, a strong pattern there that, you know, it's, you're almost more bucking the trend if you survive a major disruption like digital and remain a big player. Totally. I mean, you could count on, I don't know, a couple of fingers of, like, of big traditional retailers that, um, that you could really make a strong strong bet on right now as you know leading first in digital in the future um so it's it's funny though i do struggle i i love the article i struggle with the whole topic of uh don't blame amazon um because it's i certainly agree with that right like no retailer is going out of business because of something amazon did um but the flip side is we also talk on this show awful lot we think a lot of retailers underestimate the effect that Amazon has, right? And, you know, last holiday season, everyone's talking about the weather being the major disruption. It's too warm, not, yeah. Too warm here, not warm enough there. And miraculously, Amazon and some other retailers did really well despite the weather. And so in some ways, I think many retailers are still underestimating the threat. And I I still go to retailers all the time, and they're talking about how to compete with two-day shipping. And I'm like, guys... 60% 60% of Amazon is one hour shipping. Right. Um, the, no, that's a fair, that, that, that's a fair flip side. And, and, you know, of course, you, you part, part of it, part of writing something that, um, you want attention for, or you think is worthy of it is, you know, being bold in your stance. And I don't think anywhere I would say, you know, Amazon has 
not had an impact. But I think the I think I think we're actually kind of coming to the same place, which is sometimes the lack of self awareness that um, some big company boards and C level suites are showing in the space um, is alarming. I think that I think that's what I, I think Sometimes that's what I'd say. big companies have to walk right up to that existential cliff before they they change. Um, some of them don't, you know. So, like Microsoft's a good example where they kind of walked right up to the cliff and they seem to have come back a little bit. Yep. Uh, it's a little bit easier when you're a technology company because you don't have stores and like all this, you know. I'm, so it'll be interesting. And then the last thing I'll, I'll say on this point is, and I, I didn't really get at this in the piece, but you know, the the having to deal with the quarterly drumbeat of earnings as a public company. Um, and having, you know, it's not talked about a lot, but having, you know, obviously bonuses and the like tied to performance. I mean, it's, it's really, I'm not blaming the public markets necessarily, but most companies are not, uh, do not have the leash to operate on, you know, five, 10 year horizons like Amazon has earned, I think now earned for itself. And so I don't know how do you break out of that? I mean, you have to you, resetting expectations to say, you know, we're going to start thinking two, three years out and our numbers are going to show that, you know, that's, that's going to be tough as a CEO. Yeah, that's actually, so that's an interesting thing is we're, we're seeing a bunch of retailers announce store closures. One of the disappointing things to me is, uh, when you're going to reset expectations in the market, that's the perfect time to take all of your medicine, right? right. And say, hey, we're going to close these stores and we're going to make some strategic investments that aren't going to have immediate payback. And here's going to be the effect. And the markets are obviously going to react to that. And that sucks. But the markets are going to react just on the store closure. So why wouldn't you, you have this opportunity to reset expectations? Like it feels like you should go in with both feet. And I, it, it feels like I'm seeing a bunch of retailers coming to the market with the bad news on the store closures, but not using that opportunity to, to reset expectations the rip, around. To rip the Band-Aid off. Exactly. Yeah, I think to reset the expectations to the level you need. So they do, they, but it's usually 5 or 10% kind of thing. This is going to be like, we're not going to make a profit for five years. We're going to, you know, I just don't think they can, you know, that's like a 180 degree. Well, the, no, the note I got <laughs> from one um, young Macy's employee in technology there was, um, you know, while the project, you know, when new projects are being drummed up, um, you know, are unless it had unless it's ROI positive from you know essentially day one, it's not happening. And and granted, like start Silicon Valley could learn a lot from is probably the other extreme there, but there's probably a middle ground where you need to be cooking up some new stuff that you're not going to see. Um, you're not going to see in the real world making a difference for a while. And again, I, you know, much easier. I'm not an operator. Much easier said than done behind the mic. But um, some of it seems obvious. Yeah, and that is a big trend that uh, a lot of the CPGs, in particular, like Warren Buffett's famous for this with Heinz and Kraft and the, implementing this zero-based budgeting thing, where you essentially have to demonstrate an immediate ROI to make any investment. And you think about how far away that is from competing with. Amazon, which in my mind, all CPGs are at this point. Yep. Um, it's crazy. That's actually, um, CPG is another category that I haven't, um, I, I've done some reporting on, but I'm r- super interested in because I think um, the sort of turf wars and internal battles going on right now about how to address and uh, go to market in digital, you know, a lot of, well, I like to say right now I hear, you know, e-commerce strategies from a lot of CPG companies are Amazon strategies, and that's really scary. And so um, I think play, seeing, you know, CPG companies try to go direct to consumer um, over the next few years, you know, battling with different sales channels and Amazon is going to be is going to be one of the great stories of business. Yeah, so so we've kind of nibbled around Amazon. Let's jump into it. Um, so you, you've had four years kind of watch the arc and you've, you know, some of your stuff you've written about how dominant they are uh, just at a high level. Do you think anyone's going to contest Amazon's dominance or is it kind of game over? Should we, you know, I sure hope so because, you know, they've yet to become a boring story, but you know, dominance eventually gets boring, I think. Mm-hmm. And so it AKA could be the Patriots. Um, they're, they're, they're just terrible for a bunch of reasons, but I'll, I'll move on from that. Uh, as a New York guy, I'm just a little bit biased. That was my clickbait right there. Yes. So, um, it's trolling you. I mean, you know, look, I'd love to see, you know, the Walmart people have talked about the Walmart jet deal, you know, ad nauseum, but, um, and 
and I came down on a couple of different sides of it, but I, I love to see at least some aggressiveness with a, you know from a company that has the size to do some damage pricing wise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sure hope the next few years are interesting from that perspective. Walmart um, and Amazon. Um, I'm skeptical, very very skeptical, and have grown increasingly skeptical over the years that. Um, you know, big guys outside of maybe Walmart could could do some damage, and then um, and then sort of the you know what happens to retail and e commerce at large ten years from now if Amazon continues on the path it's on, it, you know, maybe great for its consumer, maybe not long term. So um, that's a long answer, but I'm I'm hopeful that that we'll have some good narratives out of Walmart versus Amazon over the next couple of years. So you think it's likely to be kind of one of the incumbent retailers that the challenge is not some startup, you know. Two guys at Stanford right now, they're going to come up with a better mousetrap. I mean, look at the, you look at the history of Silicon Valley into trying to get into e-commerce and retail over the last, let's say, let's call it five, ten years. Um, there's not much success there to point to, frankly. I mean, maybe getting to 60 to 80 million in revenue, but that's, you know, that's a sneeze for Amazon or a Walmart. And so um, it's been interesting to watch, you know, some of these uh, companies come out, you know, Jet came out of Hoboken, New Jersey. Um, people would just call it New York. That's fine, but it's uh-huh. New Jersey. A um, couple of big deals out of LA. Um, Zappos was Nevada. Zappos was Nevada. Las Vegas. Um, and so, uh, you know, you have you have some startups in Seattle, and you do have you do have some in San Francisco. But um, I, you know, I think startups are trying to startups in the space that are coming out are trying to avoid Amazon at all costs, right? Like there's room for innovation for sure, whether in your own consumer products, trying to build your own brands and then selling wholesale. Um, but going straight at Amazon, maybe Wish is the closest thing, and that's sort of like a really long, long tail part of Amazon that they're going at. Um, so short answer, I think it's, I think it'll be one of the big guys, if anyone. Yeah. So on, um, you've had a couple of interesting scoops on Amazon lately, uh, around their private label stuff. Um, I know you were one of the first to talk about the athleisure that they're starting up, which yep. is kind of like, you know, the, the Lululemon cut type type stuff. Uh, and I think you were early in on the men's clothing and some of that things, but you know, why, why is that interesting to you that, that, Amazon Basics private label angle. I mean, for one reason, anything that Jeff Bezos is personally taking, paying attention to, and spending some time on is interesting to me. And um, you know, he had a quote in a profile, I think last year, where they asked him what he was spending time on, and one of the things he mentioned was private label clothing. Um, I uh, I ran into him very briefly backstage at one of our events, and uh, it was clear he's spending a lot of time thinking about it. Um, you know, I haven't reported this yet, but I'm pretty sure I know who, which supplier they're working with, and he's he's spending personal time meeting with the chairman of that company. Um, so, I mean, a very like I like you know if the man in charge is paying attention, I am. I also think you talk about retailers underestimating. You know, when I talk about to private to CPG guys and retailers about private label at Amazon, first response you get is every you know this is the oldest. It's the oldest model in the books, you know. So yes, we're paying attention, but it's really an afterthought. And then I just think the disruption with what with the data they have, um, whether they will use it, you know, in a great way or not, we'll see. But data they have, they know which price points where there are holes. Mm-hmm. I just think um, I think we're going to see a lot of attempts at this from not just Amazon. Um, but uh, I, I just think it's a huge market, and so I'm going to try to pay attention. Cool. What do you think about – so there's some of this uh, kind of edge innovation stuff they're doing that, that a lot of people are freaking out about. Uh, the latest one was the giant blimps that deploy blown drones from the stratosphere kind of thing. Um, and then more real is the stores. What do you think about kind of Amazon going with the physical stores? Um, I've been – you know, even though I've done a bunch of reporting about it, I've, I've actually been surprised that they – they already have as many bookstores um, lined up publicly as they do. I think they're last I looked, they're they've announced at least eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort so of, let's see, there's um, there was Seattle, San Diego, Chicago uh, announced but not open. Okay, and then Port- New York, I think there was Portland, 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 Portland. Are they all the same from here? format of that Seattle store? So they're kind of that that same format. Yeah, I believe so. San Diego is very similar to Seattle. I haven't yeah. been to Portland yet. Okay. 
and then uh, there'll be one 10 minutes from my house in New Jersey at Garden State Plaza Mall. Jeff um, told me that was for your benefit. Thank you. Appreciate that. But when you're Del Rey. Yes. I uh, feel bad for those poor staff yep. because they're going to see I, a I lot of me. I don't think Del Rey's a reader. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a speaker. Um, so that's interesting. I think, you know, I've been led to believe by some people who know the company well that um, we may be surprised and see the go, the go model, which is the grab and go and not stop and check out. Um, just walk actually, out technology. Act, just walk out. Te- yes. I did. WT. Yes. J Watt, right? Is that, just, is that what you guys yeah. are calling it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, that we may, we may actually see that expand quicker. Um, again, I'm, I'm still reporting all of this out. Um, and the interesting thing there, right, is, you know, as you both know and probably have talked about on this show, s- similar ideas have been out there, including some, was it IBM commercials? From, yeah, 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 from the 90s. Um, and I think there's been some cost impediments around, uh, was it RFID or some other tagging? And so, um, you know, to have this idea that's sort of been, I guess, laying dormant for a decade, um, you know, and then Amazon come out and do it, um, whether it works or not, it just sends a signal that um, they're going to they're gonna really jump on stuff that they think will will move the needle eventually or, or at least try. Yep. Um, the problem there, of course, for other people is Amazon's been working on this for four years, right? How many, how many current competitors can do that? And uh, this machine learning stuff, we've tried to articulate this on the show. It's kind of a weird comp side thing. It, it creates these insurmountable leads, right? So if you've trained your technology on 8 million demo SKUs, and then now you have it in 10 physical stores, that just creates that much more of a, a competitive moat that, that other people can't jump through. So there's this benefit of the machine learning that you know you get these insurmountable leads, which, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, And I think I'm- Amazon seems to have really got some religion around that. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm hopeful. I'm going up to Seattle next month and hopeful that uh, it'll be open to the public uh, by that time or at least to a reporter named Jason Del Rey by that time. I'm sure someone get, from Amazon will just walk you right in. Yeah. They love to <laughs> show me around anything I want to see. We've, we've had a couple guys in the store and the, the inter- interesting report I've got is that it's probably not quite as far along as the video perceived. And like the most common thing that I've heard is it's much smaller and perceive that it's like potentially a couple gondolas of food and it, it's not a 7-Eleven well, What size. is it, 18, 1,800 square feet? Right? It is, but that includes the Prep kitchen. Air. Yeah, and so they're saying that like the merchandising area is pretty small and constrained and it, it definitely feels, it. feels like a proof of concept. The other funny thing I've heard is that the lighting is extraordinarily bright, like presumably for the cameras and so you know talked to some people that felt like they got a good dose of vitamin d just shopping the i'm gonna store. i'm gonna have to uh w- look really good that day to make exactly. sure wear your shades yes yes wear my shades yeah uh, and I, I haven't had a chance to talk about this on the podcast yet but there's a french retailer called uh monoprix and have you seen i'm sure i'm mispronouncing that by the way monoprix okay. uh sounds better yeah they <laughs> uh they did a super snarky parody video of Amazon Go. I have not seen it, yeah. which means I'm a very bad at my job. I will find a link and uh, put it in the show notes. But essentially, uh, so they've had this this feature for about 10 years where you load up your cart, and instead of uh, getting everything scanned and paying out, you just give your cart to an attendant. Um, they... Ring up, you leave the store, they ring up your stuff and deliver, bag yep. and deliver your groceries to home. And so they, they did a sentence for sentence recreation of the Amazon video, except that they're saying, like, for 15 years we've been doing it and sort of snarkily making fun of, of Amazon. Yep. Uh, for their video, and then I did. Is this a small? Are they are they a small company or? Not? Uh, well, so I think they're a, they're a national chain in France. So obviously, uh, like not a huge yeah. geography. So you know, not a huge number of stores, but definitely a well known, credible retailer. And I do think their experience is interesting and their point taken. Um, let me just say, if you go read the Yelp reviews for any of their their stores, you will find people complaining about standing in line. So it's it's hardly mm-hmm. the case that they. They eliminated the the line, but it was a funny video. Anyone who can have some fun with Amazon is probably a friend yeah. of mine. And the so. French can do snarky, it turns out. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm looking forward. <laughs> it's not to really that just one. walk yeah. out technology though. It's like just leave your stuff and we'll bring it to you in a couple hours. It's exactly. A little yeah. different. Fair enough. Yeah. But uh, I mean, also, in fairness, like I, I feel like a number of us all through high school were shopping with the just walk out technology. <laughs> I was a good boy. <laughs> cool. How about? Um, I, I don't think I've seen you write much about uh, Echo and Alexa. What do you think about that? Is that like someone else's beat, or, or have you actually covered that? Um, wow, you just lit me up right here for not doing my job. Um, I no, I'm going to be covering. So the areas I'm most interested at Amazon right now are um, uh, anything having to do with private label, yep, CPG in general, and then Alexa. And um, you're going to see a lot more from me around Amazon and Alexa. I, I mean, anecdotally at home, it's amazing to see a little scary, but amazing to see my three and a half year old, like scream at this thing, probably like a little too forcefully, but, um, to play Justin Bieber. Um, but he, like, it's just the, they've nailed like making it intuitive. It's just, it doesn't always work. It actually works a lot less than, um, you'd probably expect for all the great reviews it gets, but it's early days. Um, so I think it's super intuitive, scary for me personally. Um, I'll be in my bedroom and we have just an echo down on the first floor and uh, I'll like start to ask Alexa the weather, the, the weather. Um, yeah, you, just, you get used to that presence. You just like start talking. And so, and so listen, I think, I think it's going to be more scary when the one downstairs orders you one for your bedroom based on, on that behavior. Yeah. So I think, <laughs> so, so I'm going to be paying, I'm going to be paying a ton of attention. I think, um, I think there hasn't been a ton of reporting about like what developers are saying with actually ease or not ease of um, working with the platform. So I'll be honing in on that. Um, about one of my predictions was that we're going to see another shot at a phone from Amazon kind of anchored around Alexa. Um, and since we did that show, I've had several kind of folks that are close to Amazon say there's definitely something going on there. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, so I a, think there's a tip, a live tip, hot lead. I think they've, uh, <laughs> For thousands of people, in addition to me, yes. Yeah. Um, Is that not how you like to get tips? You know, I I have a lot of ways where uh, thousands of people won't hear the tip at the same time. So probably <laughs> maybe number twelve on my list. Um, future reference. So that doesn't that doesn't surprise me. I think um, I think it was clear if you saw some of Jeff Bezos's public comments and interviews since then that. Um, that the idea is not dead for sure. I think, you know, something they talk about, a lot of companies do, but they do too, is we're, we're only going to do something feel like, we're only coming to an existing market if we feel like we could really do something that people can, like, look and right away know the difference. Um, I think they thought they had that with... Um, 3D. With 3D and, um, and didn't. So, um, not surprising. I think they've had people working on ideas probably all along. Um, I don't have anything to reveal right now, but you seem to you seem to well, have I switched, good sources. Uh, I personally switched from my Samsung to the Pixel. I just got a Pixel and just kind of tried out, and then I just really fell in love with it, having it with me. And it's really nice having it in the car. You probably don't commute much because you live in New York, but you know when you're in the com- car, you got a 30 minute commute. It's really handy just to say, I better not. I don't know. Okay, okay, Google, you know, play this song versus you know like tapping around and, and trying to find it on your phone or something is more dangerous. So, so yeah, I, I think, I've just seen the benefit from the Google one and it's not as good as Alexa. So it just like seems like a no brainer to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the, the other interesting thing would be if they decide that they want to go the AWS way or like, like they're doing in house already, which just is embed it in every phone. Yeah. Just Im- embedding it, which you could see potentially long-term having a, a bigger impact on their business. Um, so I'll add that to my list, Scott. That, that is, I think, one of the reasons it's super interesting from a commerce beat is uh, we, we just pushed a show this morning on CES, but we declared uh, Alexa the winner of CES because it was literally embedded in 700 products at the show. And so one of the implications... Yeah, if you're running a marketing department and you don't have Alexa in your product, like you are fired right yeah. now. Yeah, um, and you think about that, like, so that's, a, that's just another huge platform that Amazon owns that puts the rest of retail at a disadvantage if all the refrigerator manufacturers are embedding Alexa in their refrigerators and Alexa can only do grocery replenishment from Amazon. Um, 
you you got aced out of a significant market because uh, you know uh, grocery is like thirty percent of all consumer spending. Non perishables are like fifty percent of that. That's a big chunk of retail. It is. I will. I have to say at the same time, like some of the use cases right now are just like. I was going to curse, but this is a family friendly show. Ridiculous. I'll just say ridiculous. Like absolutely. You ridiculous. don't need Alexa in your trash can to open your trash can for you. Um, that's actually that would be top Simple of my human list. showed that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, so you know, it's always fun with new technologies to see like the mar- the marketing gimmicks come out. Um, and so, but but that's a fair point. But you raise another point, which is just the growing, the growing power of the company. And um, something uh, I'll be obviously following closely is over the next few years, whether it's four years during Donald Trump's um, first or last um, uh, reign in office. Uh, well, I'm will we remember, see- has anyone at Recode had weighed in on Donald Trump? I don't remember. You know. <laughs> We do have a pretty vocal founder named Kara Swisher who has opinions she's not fair, uh, afraid to share. So give her a lot of credit for that. I was, the point I was just going to get to is, d- does Amazon ever run up against antitrust issues? And um, and uh, I don't think right now you could say the answer is definitely no. So um, I think it's entirely possible that you could be boning up on your antitrust law as part of the commerce speed in the next four years. I will, I will wish I paid more attention to the environment around me when I went to college in DC, probably. So I'll, um, I'll have to do a crash course. Cool. So, um, so it's a little bit of a segue into, you know, so there's other tech companies that you guys follow at, at Recode. So you've got Facebook, Google, Microsoft, et cetera. Um, why do you think they're not more aggressively going after e-commerce? Are they just ceding this to Amazon or, or do you do you get a vibe that they're working behind the scenes to try to slow them down? The, the stat I always look at is that, you know, Product searches starting at Amazon has got to be hurting Google. Now they can make yeah. it up because there's non-product searches like you know uh, insurance and financial services and pharma and all these things. So so I think that's insulated Google a bit because they've got a diverse portfolio. But at some point, that's like a really big chunk of Google that Amazon's sucking away, and there has to be a response. Yeah, I mean, I, I I completely agree. And I was I was you know for a while covering some of their efforts pretty aggressively, um, but they've just they've just been bad like just bad efforts. I mean, so, you know, you have shopping express, um, uh, which maybe one, maybe you guys know better than I do right now where that, where that stands today, how many markets they're in. They, they said they're going to expand to more markets, but it was kind of, you know, didn't meet with this huge fanfare and, and it's, uh, you know, I think they're just using a career. It's not like a seamless customer experience like you get with Prime now, um, right? You know, so you know things are always in stock, and so you when you go through Google Express, you'll see like Costco, and they're like, "Wow, that's great!" But then there's like eight SKUs. You're like, "All right, yeah, I get bottled water, but where's my favorite? You know, peanuts that I want. You know, yeah. So they, it's just so limited, and it's kind of it, it's kind of sounds good at the top, but then it's like just much more of a facade. They've, the I mean, they've struggled in commerce for a long time, and what what scares me for them is from people I talk to. Um, like it's not top of mind for Sundar, the CEO, and um, like how much can you get done if it's not a, you know yeah. a top initiative? Um, an- another bad sign for Google Shopping Express was when uh, basically the executive who incubated it inside of Google left for Uber. Like, yeah. not a good sign. Mm. Not a good sign. So I have the same question you two. Um, I've tried to you know, get analysts to help me do the math on the actual impact on their business. You losing all the search the uh, Amazon has had. I've, I've probably pinged both of you about any smart takes. You, you may have actually given me one and, but I decided it wasn't He's smart. looking at Scott, not Jason, <laughs> just for the record. I am looking at Scott. Um, I've always heard that product searches at Google are 40%. Um, and then I've tried to go resource that and all I can find is me saying it. So, <laughs> That's um, double I've, confirmation. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't have some journalistic clean way, but you know, it, it just logically makes sense. Um, and I was there at goto.com in the very early days and product searches were even like 80 or 90% back then. So it just makes logical sense that, that there's, you know, it, it is the largest vertical out there. So something, I haven't, re- something I haven't reported on yet, but I'm sure you guys have talked about is, you know, Amazon once again, testing, uh, PLAs on, on, yeah, they've lit those back on up Google. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not quite sure what to make of that yet. Uh, I don't know if you have any hot takes, Scott or Jason. 
So the reason they didn't do it at first is they didn't want Google to have their product catalog. So they kind of said, all right, we have all the selection. Why would we share that with Google and make PLAs better? Um, so if you believe that, then why would they turn it back on? I think maybe they're at the point where they probably did some tests and they're like, yeah, it's a pretty good way to acquire some customers. The other thing that's happened is Google has made it so much of the page um, that you know the I, I would imagine both the SEO and the paid part of Amazon has gone down because they've just they've amped up PLAs so much. Talking uh, about antitrust, yeah. Uh, well, uh, yep. Uh, and then I won't, uh, that's a third rail for me. So I'll stay away from that. Uh, the, uh, so then in, on mobile, it gets even worse. Like when you start doing mobile searches, all you, you see is scroll, PLAs. You have to scroll so like it, it three could times. Be an, uh, you know, it could be a position that says, Hey, it's kind of game over. Now we can, now who cares if we put our catalog out there? And also that catalog argument isn't very valid because you can control it, right? You can kind of say, I want to just fill a couple of holes or here's here's some limited selection or, or where the Venn diagram overlaps what's out there already. Let's be competitive. So I just think that there's something that's happened to change that idea at Amazon mm-hmm. that, that, you know, that it's probably just an efficacy thing of the advertising dollars. Uh, so one quick clarification. Uh, sporadically, but somewhat consistently, if that's not an oxymoron, uh, Amazon has always had PLAs for Amazon branded products. So right, they, like they, the Kindle, right? Yeah, so they've continued around the and Kindle, the subsidiaries, and the Echo, so Zappos, and, and yeah, some of the other, and shop, all the uh, the formerly Quizzy brands, yeah. exactly. So what we've seen recently is them start to turn on PLAs for first party product that isn't made by Amazon. Um, yeah, I saw some. I don't know. I did some random kitchenware search. Um, forget if it was a crock i think maybe even a crock pot and there was an amazon ad for yep. some other brands and I, I, yep. to scott's point like those are, that is the most effective product in the google portfolio for for products certainly so that that's interesting a lot of other retailers are getting more and more momentum uh running co-op plas so getting the manufacturer to fund hmm. plas hmm. that are then placed by the retailer um which uh, the retailer ends up with uh, like much higher quality scores for their PLAs, so they get placed better because you can actually click on the retailer's PLA and buy it. Yeah. So what I what I haven't validated yet is are the are the new PLAs we're seeing funded, funded. ones? Like did did Samsung or or Crusade pay? This is uh, a very Amazon big market. growth area of Amazon. Is in Vendor Central they have all this money now you can spend and they there's an AMA and an AMR that you can spend in there and that that could be part of it there may be some co-op dollars that, that tipped it over yep. that's good good another, insight another good story idea for jason delray yeah thank you yep this will be out in we're, uh, 12 we're here hours for you. Uh, the clock is ticking <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, used to shorter deadlines than that <laughs> cool so so let's uh, so we've talked about kind of current trends Let, let's extend it out a little bit kind of three five ten years whatever you're comfortable with where do you think this goes like where where are some interesting you know i think vo- i mean i it's very popular to talk about this now, but I think for good reason, like voice, just voice as, um, in in, like the next interface, I think, um, for computing, uh, I think, I think that's huge. I I do question how Amazon, um, how shopping happens via voice that is not, you know, reordering, you know, one thing we've seen from Amazon, which hasn't gotten a lot of press and I probably should do a better job on it is the idea of Amazon basically choosing, an Amazon's choice product. So if you're going to order, say, you know, um, Alexa, order me some deodorant, men's deodorant. Um, that was a really bad choice, but we'll go with it. Um, that Amazon, I don't know if they have it for this category, but a lot of categories, Amazon will select, you know, a prime eligible deodorant. And um, so I think... It's just a way for me to say there need to be a lot of solutions to to um, trying to browse via voice. Like I, yeah. I, I have more questions than answers right now. Some of the skills, it's a conversation like the pizza ones. Um, and it actually, if the first time you do it, it's a little weird, but then you get kind of used to it because you're just so used to you know speaking out these things. So it'll be interesting to, what, to what, see. What so you know, Alexa, I want to order a Domino's pizza. What size? Large. Um, do you want any toppings? Yeah, I'll take pepperoni. Do you want that on the whole pizza or half? Whole pizza, is that it? Yes, boom. You know, so so it's a weird. It, it's kind it's of like a decision tree. The first time you do it, it feels a little weird, but then like you start to go through it pretty quick, or you can even now. Then the other thing is, once you go through it the first time, then you'll say, Alexa, order me a Domino's pizza. I'll take a large with pepperonis on the whole thing, and then it'll say. That is that your so it's really interesting. It like trains you to, and you can start making these larger utterances in the first sentence, and it'll actually 
get it. You know, I think I think we've been trained because the voice stuff's so bad with like some of the other solutions that you try to like, you know, you're over announcing like Alexa, you know, order a pizza. And now you don't have to. You can have more of these conversations. And as it gets closer to 100 percent, you can either have the conversation or a, a much larger initial kind of sentence that, that does it. Hmm. How many of these pizza orders have you done, Scott? Well, I spend a lot of time doing research on this uh, for the Jason and Scott show. <laughs> I, uh, I know you're not using the flowers for your wife example as much as the pizza example. Well, that one's a little tricky because, you know, you don't, my wife's generally around me when I'm talking to Alexa, so it's kind of hard to have a stealth conversation with Alexa. There could be a Cyber Monday, fla- uh, Cyber Valentine's Day pre flower ordering day. Uh, nice. That, uh, that, that cycle that you mentioned about the, the network training us to speak uh, has played out before in commerce. So in the early days of internet search, People type complete sentences into AltaVista and then later Google. And like we probably remember a time when we could successfully search on Google, but our parents couldn't because they didn't know the syntax. Now we've all learned this like keyword syntax for Google. And ironically, now that we're shifting to voice, people, people uh, tend to speak in complete sentences to voice. And so it actually changes... The, the keywords and the SEO um, because you you give Cortana complete sentences. Right. Yeah, that's another thing. You know, the exciting thing for me from a story perspective is it's obviously a platform that, you know, there's plenty of stuff we, we can't even imagine right now and sort of new gatekeepers popping up. So Amazon is like the gatekeeper of the voice web, like pretty, pretty scary for, should be pretty scary for, for almost everyone that's not Amazon. Yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't seen, you know, I'd be, I'd love to read a great story. Maybe you guys have on, on, um, where Apple like went wrong with Siri or, um, it just seems like it's obvious now, but they could have been there years and years ago with, uh, something along these lines and maybe, and I never count Apple out. So maybe they, maybe they still will make a huge push in the home. Um, the common consensus with Apple is they're they're such a hardware company that they under index on the software side, and that that tends to be where they fall down on these things. That's why the Google apps are so much better on the, the iPhone. Like, I don't use any of the native app rights if I can. It's kind of, but if yeah, I, I I totally agree. Like software and services, but if if your company whose like whole being is around, you know, we need to own end to end. You can't be. Average on one of those ends, right? yeah, yeah, or sub average, yeah, yeah. So there's there's some uh, uh, the daring fireball. That's good. He's an ex Apple guy, and then uh, there's one called Strategery, which is like that one's good. Yeah, I'm trying they to do some really ben long Thompson, pieces yeah. on that. Stuff. Yeah, so Ben yeah. writes a lot about this like battle of these two business models, right? Like the network effect, which mm-hmm. is like making your system open so Android, lots of people yeah. use it, and uh, and the lock in effect, like. You know, making people use your products and only use your products, and like you know, his his premise would be like you know, Apple is one with the lock-in effect, and so that's their DNA, and uh, you know, Amazon and others have one with the network effect, right? And that you know, the lock-in effect is working against Apple in in voice. Yeah, I'm very excited. Actually, we're going to have Ben's going to come do a media presentation at the Code Media Conference in February uh, out in. Uh south of LA. So um excited to see him firsthand. He has a lot of obviously a lot of fans in technology world, rightfully so. Yeah, let's promote that a little bit. So you do these little sideshows called Code Commerce. Um, Correct. you've done them at Shop Talk. I've been to a couple. Um tell us a little yep. bit about how did that come to be and uh sounds like there's another one coming up in February. Yeah. Different um, thing, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, February's yeah. media uh one of our media events, but oh, okay. I'm but I'm doing another one in March at Shop Talk. It's oh, a, um Monday night at Shop Talk. It's a one night event. So um for people who don't know Recode and before that all things D, um conferences have been in sort of the, our DNA for a long time. And so, you know, if you ever saw a video of Steve Jobs and Bill Gates on stage together, that was um that was at one of our events um this past year. Those uh, D conferences are now called code conferences. This you guys year. always have the most comfy looking chairs. Like when they I watch are, the live stream, I'm like, really that looks great. like a comfy a chair. Signature. Steel case, red chair, yeah. yeah. And um, so this past year at our big event, our main one, we had Jeff Bezos come, Elon Musk, and some um, some other great speakers. And so the idea for me was, can I sort of replicate this in my own way, but focused on strictly the commerce industry? And so I've started with these small one-night events, um, where we do, 
you know, really no BS interviews, three or four of them with CEOs and entrepreneurs. We also stuff you with drinks and maybe some food. And, um, and the idea is really just, um, it should be a little bit fun. You should definitely learn something. And we also love audience participation. So we're big, you know, every speaker has to be okay with, um, you know, anyone in the audience getting up and asking them a tough question. And so the, the goal would be, you know, later this year for me to do a standalone full day event focused on future of e-commerce and, and retail and payments, uh, all in one. So cool. That'd be very cool. I, I have been Count us in. two of your three and, uh, the speakers and content and conversation was all awesome. Uh, Versus the original D or Code Conference, the big the big knock is like yours tend to be at like uh, a conference room in a hotel in Las Vegas, and <laughs> Code is on the beach at Terno. So I feel like our goal needs to be to get Code Commerce to the well. Beach. If you want to pay sixty five hundred instead of one hundred ninety five dollars, we could probably arrange something <laughs> at. But no, yeah. but yeah, we're, I we're, drank at least one hundred ninety five dollars at both of the ones I went to. Yeah, so yeah, the last one we had, you know. Jack Dorsey talking about Square and uh, Kate Hudson and Adam Goldenberg from Fabletics and also the CEO of Wish. Um, I, I'm not going to try to re- pronounce his last name again. I did it well that night. And uh, the head of Apple Pay at Apple, Jennifer Bailey. So um, we, we get some great people together and uh, we'll be back at Shop Talk. And for listeners, it, it is an invite-only event. You have to be approved to go. But if you mention that you're a Jason and Scott Show listener, you basically get in. And would actually hurt their chances. And send a tip. I, I haven't dis- I haven't decided about about chances with sure you guys. Still out. Yeah. The one I went to the last shot talk, um, it was interesting. You spent a lot of time talking to the guy from Target, and then right after that, like they all either you know summarily left. So I don't know. Is there is there a curse around this? You do the Delray like, interview and you're doomed. It's the Madden curse. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that was yeah. So Jason uh, Goldberger uh, over at Target. Um, I think he's no relation. No relation. Um, I think he. Um, I think that's probably the only one. Okay, all right. Uh, so it's not out officially of the three approved. events. So, give me another year, and we'll see if we could ring that up. But hopefully not. What's going on at Target? Like, um, you know, is there, you know, you they for a while there. So if we look at kind of what was it, fifteen, they really did well with their Cyber Monday promotion, and then things kind of hit a little bit of a, you know, went a little sideways, and it seemed like they had a bunch of changes at the top. Is is that? Do you dig into that on a regular basis? From time to time, for sure. I mean, I'm excited today to, um, you know, listen in. I think the company's CIO, I believe, is um, is going to be on stage, and so um, I'm I'm interested to hear from them. Um, very curious with the changes in digital, for sure, and whether, um, you know, whether that means sort of taking a foot off of the gas in in digital, and you know, reevaluating. Um, how much priority to put on that? Um, I read a lot of negativity around their grocery efforts. That kind of, you know, the the general trend pieces seem to say they're kind of like half half in, half out half on grocery. And half yeah. Out. yeah, I find that with my experience. We'll go to there and we're like, oh, let's go see if they have graham crackers, and like they don't have them. You get really frustrated, right? You know, these things you would think they would have, but they. I know they don't. personally. I mean, my my wife would do, uh, and occasionally, um, if if I'm around, we'll we'll go and do, you know, some grocery shopping either at target or, or walmart and um she's now pretty much you know for the certain items uh all wall all walmart obviously walmart's done a great great job in grocery service where they kind of bring it out to the curb um not that i know of she's like the anti jason delray which means the anti lazy person um and um so we don't do only for testing do we do even grocery delivery at home she enjoys strolling the three-year-old through all the long Walmart She wants aisles. her, and now a seven-month-old as well. Yeah, she oh, okay. wants the, uh, she likes picking out her own produce. Um, yeah. I think, uh, said about that. as do many consumers. <gasps> yeah. So, um, forgot, forgot how we got to wall. Oh, Target. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit confused by the moves, frankly. And so, um, you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be listening today intently, um, see what their executive has to say. I feel like in uh, grocery, a lot of people describe them as being in this uncomfortable middle. Like they're, they're these really good 
price competitors that have emerged in grocery, like Aldi and Stop and Shop and these guys that are lower prices than Walmart, right? And mm-hmm. Target is definitely not there. And then you've got like the high-end premium assortment of uh, Whole Foods and that that kind of puts Target a little bit in a no man's land. And, you know, Brian Connolly would definitely say, like, look, the focus is on these these five signature categories that we know are important to the Target guest. And so, like, it remains to be seen whether whether that can generate traffic. Or- yeah, I mean, one test they were doing that I thought they were seeing great stuff from, um, I, I know they were happy with the in- Instacart tests in a couple of small markets with um, one-hour delivery and felt like they were reaching people who were otherwise not coming to their store. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just, I, I, I don't have a magic answer, but they just did not expand that. And I, I, I as far as I know, I think they're just in a couple of, Test market still. I think they turned off a bunch of that, like both the curb tests. I think Jason mentioned they turned off at, uh, at your uh, at the code conference, and then I, they turned off some of the Instacart markets. Um, yeah, the curbside test where you pick up, you know, curbside. Um, I think there were over a hundred locations, and then yeah, the, the challenging thing with food delivery is there's two ways to pay for it: a convenience fee for the consumer, yep. which you know once those get up towards like north of ten dollars, they they vomit on that. Um, I think I then, think I think mass wise, I think more than yeah. well, I think a lot of categories you get up, you get to five, you know, yeah. over five yeah. Yeah. food fees yeah. are much. So more then, so then what they do is they they put it into the product, and if you're Target, you know, suddenly you get a customer complaint. I just paid eight dollars for this broccoli, and it was you know. Six, that I think it creates this next net, you know, negative customer experience that that a lot of people are unwinding these things because of that. Yeah, Instacart's actually a company I'm starting to dig in a lot more. Um, f- try to figure out, you know, they have a big old eva- you know valuation on paper of two billion dollars. I think, I think that was really you know a high bar for that's going to be a high bar for them to clear. And I just. Um, I just there are a lot of people continuing to wonder how viable the current model is. They're changing pay an awful lot with workers, and so um, we'll see. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's going to be an interesting note, uh, one to watch play out. Uh, I, I would, I'm going to take the short on Instacart for grocery because uh, just the economies don't work for perishable deliverables. Mm-hmm. When someone has to be home for that delivery, the economies get get really complicated so i'm way more optimistic on pickup for grocery yep jason's long snapchat and spectacles yeah and jason has never made a, a dollar on speculating so um <laughs> take take my advice with more than a grain of salt i've not worn a spectacle or spectacles yet but huh. um but they're perfect for a three and a seven month old yeah yeah catch her these little moments I'm, that are kind any, of fun. any Oh yeah, I just try to not have anything valuable around my three and a half year old because yeah. he's he's a destructor. <laughs> nice. I, I have one of those as well. Um, well, listen, Jason, uh, it has happened again. We have flown through our allotted time, but we're super grateful from you uh, taking time off from your busy beat to to talk to us, and we'll uh, look forward to reading your stuff in the future. Yeah, thanks, Jason, and thanks, NRF, for hosting us. Thanks for having me, Jason at Recode.net. If you do have some good tips. Yeah, and uh, to follow um, on Twitter, you're at Delray, D-E-L-R-E-Y. Thanks a lot, guys. Until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com.